Hey, thanks for tuning in to the John Papaloni Show. Today is going to be one of the most exciting episodes if you are a real estate investor. Today, I have someone special here, someone who can answer the fundamental and the most important part of real estate investing, and that's going to be how does investing affect your taxes and what are some of the advantages you have with the programs available today. I want to introduce to you today, Bob Govro. Bob, welcome to the show. Good morning. Great to be here. Absolute pleasure. I want to uh, start the episode with a brief bio description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there, although my little intro kind of indicated what you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you want me to give a bit of a background? I'm happy to, yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm the founder, uh, Govro, it's actually a Govro accounting tax law advisory. So we do, uh, not only just accounting and tax work, but we do legal work. We do business coaching as well. Uh, and of course, buy and sell advisory related work for really any business owners or investors. Uh, started my firm in 2008. It was just me. I had one employee at the time. We're now just pushing the hundred team member mark. Um, we've expanded across North America and focus predominantly on working with business owners and real estate investors uh, across North America. So really excited to be here. Happy to share all the information that I have uh, that can help support those individuals who are looking for real estate investments or in the real estate space altogether. Absolutely. I love that. Like, yeah, so expansion through North America, that is incredible. I did not expect that one. I mean, I knew Canada, <laughs> why? Sure, but <laughs> wow. Yeah, right. So you're going to be, yeah, you're going to definitely be able to get into some of the questions I have because I want to get into uh, a little bit about uh, cross-border investments as well and the tax implications. So uh, with that being said, my first question is going to be, like you expanded to 100 people, which is incredible. You know, kudos to you for that. Um, why did you choose the real estate sector? Great question. Um, we didn't necessarily choose the real estate sector. Um, the real estate sector just sort of came with uh, self-employed individuals uh, because it seems like real estate is a follow-up. So once business owners understand how to make money, uh, which we have a coaching program that helps business owners understand that, called a million dollar year. So once business owners start to realize how to make money and we've got surplus funds that are available, we want to look at the opportunities to make those funds continue to work for us. And, you know, at that point, there's lots of different ways that people can invest money, private mortgages, uh, but real estate always seems to be top of the list. So we started looking and expanding into the real estate market. Um, I spoke at the multifamily real estate conference last year with Kevin O'Leary and met some really interesting people who are in fairly deep into the multifamily uh, real estate space, as well as one-off sort of individual uh, investments. So for us, the real estate investment component was more of an add-on to an existing business operation, but now it's kind of a, its own standalone. And um, it's interesting too with the real estate uh, investment side, because we can offer all services. We've got the legal services to be able to help people acquire those properties and make sure they get registered properly. We can set up the any sort of structure, which I'm sure we're going to talk about uh, today, looking at whether an incorporation or a partnership is the right structure or whether we can even utilize a family trust. So we've got all that in-house with our legal team and our tax specialized group. Uh, and then, of course, we can offer the tax side and the accounting piece with it as well. So it was really a nice complement to what we were already doing, but now it's taken its for a form of its own. Makes sense. I love that. Yeah. So, and that's the thing, right? Like many people buy their uh, properties and their investments. Like a lot of people focus on single family homes, sometimes condo investments and stuff like that. And, and it's always like, you know, let, let's be honest. I mean, I would have never thought of it before getting into the business. I bought a property, you know, my name is John Papaloni, the property I live in, John Papaloni. Property I buy to invest, John Papaloni. Um, getting a, a, a corporation would have just been like, why? Right. So yeah. I, I didn't see the benefit or the implications or even the qualification differences. So, um, yeah. So I've obviously learned a lot there. Um, at what point in time would you recommend someone gets into a, uh, you know, into an incorporated company versus keeping it in their personal name? 
And now this is specific to uh, investment properties. Yeah, we're um, going to start off with, uh, you know, like the, the person starting out, like they got their primary home. We know you don't yeah. put that in a corporation, but they're no, ready to buy the first not. rental property. Okay. Yeah. So, and this is always, you know, when you get into the whole legal side of things, this is always going to be the answer. It depends. Um, so everybody should get their own personalized approach to it. However, um, I can give some really good generalizations. So first off, if we're generating income from investments uh, from real estate and we have another source of income, we have to keep in mind, especially in Canada, uh, the U.S. is similar. They're marginal tax rate systems. So let's think of the individual for a moment. And the individual goes from a zero percent tax all the way up to in Canada, you know, 57 percent income tax rate. If we have real estate investments that we own personally, those real estate properties and that income is being added to our personal tax return. So the tax rate on that is going to be 57% if we have other uh, substantive income. In the US, it's very similar. You know, the US marginal tax rate is closer to 50%. Um, but it's the same situation if it's being taxed as an individual, as a sole proprietor, or as a partnership then all of that income gets added to our personal tax return. So what we want to look at is, at least from a tax standpoint, does it make sense to help us save tax money by incorporating a structure? And the answer will likely be yes. If you have you know, income over $100,000, we can avoid adding more income to your personal taxes by using a corporate structure. Gets a little complicated, but uh, there's ways that we can do that. On the other side of things, we do have risk associated with investments and depending on your type of investment opportunity or the tenants that you have, there is risk associated with owning rental properties. Um, I can tell you myself, we have like a five star commercial property uh, that our office is located in. And we had an individual take a, a step off a curb um, oh, wow. and tripped and fell last year and you know that was a potential lawsuit even though it wasn't even on our property it was on city property but it was in front of our building so that starts to get a little scary so when we think of those investment properties we probably want to protect ourselves from any risk that's associated with those properties now easy risk mitigation get insurance uh right insurance is number one but if for some reason insurance weren't to cover that slip and fall or whatever that risk could be a corporate structure will provide segregation of personal assets and business assets or real estate investment assets, and it will protect your personal life. And I know if any of you guys are have a partner like I do, my wife um, will constantly just want to know that whatever I'm up to, uh, because I like to make investments as well, whatever I'm up to, that I'm not putting at risk our home and the assets that we've accumulated together, that that is separate. So by using a corporate structure, we can get the benefit of extra protection and almost that sleep at night factor. Um, so I would look at that as maybe another factor. And then thirdly, I would say, and this is where it starts to get a little bit more complicated and a little bit more expensive to set it up. But hey, if we're doing this and we've got an intention to really invest in real estate for the long term, we want to build a big portfolio. Let's do it right out of the gates, because if we go to fix it later on, it gets way more expensive. But I would actually recommend um, if you're in this for the long haul and it's not a one off property, I would actually introduce a corporation to own the assets and I would introduce a family trust uh, to be essentially the owner of the corporation. The reason I would do that is that and this is going to maybe, John, maybe I'm going into a little bit too much depth here, but I think this is valuable. Not at all. That's good. Yeah, I think this is valuable. So what happens when we die as an individual, right? My wife and I, if I die, all my assets get transferred to her tax-free, okay? But when she dies, everything that she owns, including anything that transferred for me, is completely taxable. So anything that's got a tax implication, like, at, uh, like shares of a corporation, all become taxable. So if you, as a real estate investor, are building a portfolio, let's say it's $5 million and you're building this, you know, to pass on to your kids or the next generation, if you or your spouse pass away, 
the next generation has to pay tax on that as part of an estate. So you're looking at a 25% tax on the gain of those shares, which is really the value of them. So again, in that situation, you're 25% tax on a $5 million portfolio. So your next generation either has to borrow or has to sell in order to continue to carry it on. And you might be putting a liability on them. It's going to impact their cash flow. There's just a better way. So if we go back to, listen, if we're in this for the long haul, we're looking to build a portfolio. We put them in a corporation. And instead of us owning the corporation as shareholders, my wife and I, or you and your partner, or however that looks, we introduce a family trust. And in that family trust, we have our kids as beneficiaries. Just because they're beneficiaries doesn't mean they're entitled to anything, but we can gift them and uh, allow them to be beneficiaries of anything that's owned by the trust. So what this does, my wife and I die, no tax on this. The family trust is still in existence. The kids are still beneficiaries of the trust no tax on this. It transitions the ownership of the real estate into the next generation while preserving wealth. That's incredible. I didn't even think of that. Like my assumption was the fact that the, that it's owned by a corporation, whether I lived or not, would not matter because the corporation is its own entity, but right. someone has to be on the board and someone has to be chair. And if that chair is gone, now this kind of makes sense. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. And it's who the shareholders are, right? So again, if my wife and I are shareholders and we want our kids to own this real estate portfolio in the future, no problem. That's great. I die, which my wife continues to tell me that I'm going to die first, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I die first. Everything rolls to her, which is completely fine. But when something happens to her, inevitably will at some point there is the tax man's going to be coming to collect, but if instead her and I control a family trust and we are beneficiaries and our kids are beneficiaries, then we can set that up so that the tax man has nothing to come for because that trust is still in place even when we die. Right now, the same situation happens if we own those properties personally. Right. If I buy a couple million dollars worth of property personally, if I die, that personal asset is disposed of at fair market value the date of death. So I know we get into a little bit of morbid when we start talking about estate planning, but it's important because if our goal is to transition this intergenerational wealth, there's better ways to do it. So you might be looking at to set up a corporation and a family trust with our team. You'd probably be $5,000 to set those two structures up, but it's a one-time fee to make sure that you're set up to maximize the value for the long haul. Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, yes, yeah, that's exactly. I'm glad you went on and you know got in deep into that because I didn't even think of the family trust, didn't know anything about it. So I learned that today, and I also learned about the tax rate being 57. percent I, I did not know that. I thought it was 54. Now it's only three percent now, but three percent of a fifty thousand is like yip de do, but three percent of a million or and or higher. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, right? and and truthfully, you know, where are those tax rates going to continue to evolve? Because you know, I'm going to say 10 years ago, they were 46 percent uh, and they've continued to creep up. And, uh, you know, it is impacting those people who have higher income. But, you know, if we have high income as an individual and we're investing in real estate, you know, that just goes on top of our existing income. We can do a better job of managing that. You know, especially with a family trust, if there's opportunities for income splitting and maybe I'll give you my favorite one. Um, but by using different structures, we can help mitigate that tax exposure to us as individuals. Um, my favorite one, though, my favorite tax tip uh, out of all of what's available is that we have kids. And, you know, five years or so ago when the liberal government came in, I guess maybe it's it's eight years or even longer now. Uh, they changed the income splitting rules. Now, people like me were helping people like you guys uh, really come out with a great tax plan. Now, what we would do is we would issue dividends to all of our kids, right? We'd issue dividends to our kids who are in maybe post-secondary education. We'd issue them, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollar dividend. They wouldn't pay any tax on that. It allowed us to flow funds out of the business and help pay for kids education and all that good stuff income splitting it was beautiful now 
the government changed. And the first thing they did was say, we're not going to let you do that anymore. And people like me went, well, that probably makes sense. You know, we probably shouldn't have been able to do that, but the rules allowed us to. So we did. And so income splitting has changed. So we can't issue dividends to kids who are under 18 anymore, unless it is their investment um, or that they're actively involved in the business, which is more than 20 hours a week on average. That goes for kids, that goes for spouses, anybody involved in the business that's a shareholder. They really need to either have a full risk of investment or they have to work 20 hour weeks. Now, that's just on dividends, and that's the only piece that was really changed. My favorite sort of income splitting opportunity, especially with real estate, because there's so many different opportunities to, uh, to create value from a, an employee standpoint, would be to put our kids on salary. Now, my kids are 15 and 13. They're both on salary with my business. Canada Revenue Agency and the IRS have regulations that say you can pay a reasonable wage to a non-arm's length family member um, as long as they're doing reasonable work in exchange. So it has to be essentially fair market value. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my kids are way better at social media than I am, uh, including TikToks and YouTube videos um, and Instagram and whatever. So they come in and my daughter comes in actually, and she goes to any events where I'm speaking at, she does recording, she takes photos. So I pay her $12,000 a year. Why do I pay her 12? Well, because that's really close to the personal exemption uh, that allows her to not pay tax on that money. And it's also, I make sure that she gives me fair market value in return for that. On an investment property standpoint, well, you know what? There's work to do around the property. There's dump runs. There's this and that that you can have your kids do, raking the lawn, whatever that looks like, and pay them a reasonable wage um, for reasonable work contributed. Now, as parents, we're allowed to do this and uh, get and expect value out of our kids. I actually put all of those funds inside a separate account, um, and I hold it for them for their future to pay for their school or whatever. Um, but what happens in this case is, you know, that $12,000 times two, $24,000, I get that as a full deduction in my business. So think of that as a deduction from your real estate income that could wipe out your real estate income, which means it's not getting added to my already 50% tax rate. So it's ultimately saving up to somewhere around $12,000 a year. Um, I have a corporation, so I actually put my kids on payroll through the corporation it saves me all the tax money. Plus, you know, in a corporation, when you distribute funds out after the business is paid tax, we have to pay personal tax on it. Well, they're paying personal tax on it. It just happens that their tax rate is zero versus mine being 55%. So that's one of my favorite tips is to make sure that we put those kids to work uh, and we make sure they get paid. We've got to have an argument that it's reasonable uh, pay for reasonable work in exchange, but a great way to save tax money. Absolutely love that. That was incredible. So there we go. Now, I don't have kids, but that tells me I should have them just for that. I mean, I, uh, you know, um, a dog, a dog, <laughs> your dog is really responsible and capable. You know, we could get the dog on there. Yeah, it can be security. Sure. <laughs> you know, we, we can get creative. And, and one of the things that I hear all the time and, and um, listen, accountants can be difficult sometimes. Uh, accountants can look at the rules and say, no, we can't do that. The rule says you can't do that. The rule says you can't do that. The rule says you can't do that. And what you need to do is find accountants who say, OK, here's the rules. We know the rules. Here's the outcome you want. How do we use the rules to get you the outcome that you want? Is that possible? And how do we do it? Instead of just blocking everything and saying, no, the rules say you can't, they can't, you can't, you can't. So I would find somebody who's willing to look at the rules and say, how do we help use the rules to get you your outcome? Uh, because that's super important. Now, there is the beyond reasonable, um, where this is the story that you hear, you know, your buddy or your neighbor uh, is deducting his boat, uh, and, and he's a doctor and he one time, uh, had to, you know, perform a medical procedure out on the water and he's writing his boat off, you know, oh, well he, it's good. He does it every year. No problems. 
right, there's no problems because nobody has found that yet or they haven't asked about it, but they might. So the idea is let's use the rules, be as aggressive within the rules as we can to get the outcome we want. But just because our neighbor does something doesn't mean that that's right either. And so what I want to find is that happy medium where we're achieving the outcomes we're looking for and we're doing it within the rules so we can sleep at night and we don't have to worry about anybody knocking on the shoulder to say, hey, remember that time you wrote that boat off or the motorhome or the plane or anything ridiculous like that? It's not business related. You owe all the tax money back. Nobody wants to be in that position. So let's find someone that we can work with to be aggressive within the rules, find the outcome you want and use the rules to your advantage. Makes total sense. I, and I agree with you. And, and, and it's true, though. There's a lot, of, you know, see, that's that, that's where the problem is in terms of the, like you said, there's certain ones that are difficult to work with. Uh, but the idea of sure. using an accountant is that uh, you want someone who basically understands what you're trying to do and will actually coach you through the process so you do it right. I mean, just being told no doesn't really tell you what you're doing wrong. And there's so many out there that do that. <laughs> totally. And I would say, you know, my favorite clients um, are the ones that come in and they say, hey, Bob, this is what I'm trying to do. Is there any way that we can make the system work for us to achieve that? Right. Versus, oh, no, we're we're doing this because my neighbor did it or or something like that. It's like, well, no, they yeah, maybe they did do it. I'm not denying that maybe they did do it. I'm not calling anyone a liar, but maybe they did do it. But, you know, the argument to justify that is not, that's not the way, but we can probably do it a different way. So work with me on the different way and we can probably get that same outcome. Let's just do it the right way. And yeah, my favorite clients are the ones who say, here's the outcome I want. How do we, how can we accomplish that together? And that's the right approach. And I love that. Makes total sense. Now, being the fact that you're North America and you know the U.S. Uh, law as well, uh, and it's very intriguing because that's exactly where I'm looking. So, and, you know, I, although I'm an Ontario realtor, when people ask me where should I invest, my answer is usually not in Ontario. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, you want to buy, I always say, you want to buy the home you live in? You live in Canada, you live in Ontario, buy the home you live in. You want to start investing? Invest somewhere else. And my reasoning is because, and now don't get me wrong, if somebody wants to buy something in Ontario, I'm not saying don't call me, I won't help you. No, no, I will. But uh, my invest is to always find places that are landlord friendly, which is why I like a lot of states, and um, such as uh, <clears throat> Miami. And um, <laughs> But it's not as simple as just grabbing money and putting it in your bank account and then withdrawing it in the states, buying a place and away you go. Uh, there's more intricacies into this and there's more tax implications. And I think that's the kind of stuff you need to know before you make the investment. So someone who has enough property in Toronto or anywhere in Ontario and they're looking, just say Miami, and they might even be interested in multiplexes, where would they start? Great question. So one of the challenges is both Canada and the U.S. are predominantly their tax system is based on residency. So if we are investing in the United States, um, let's just think of it as, as an individual. And I'm gonna share this because I want you to consider why this is not a good idea. So we're an individual, we live in anywhere in Canada, we're resident in Canada. As a resident in Canada, it means we have to pay tax on our worldwide income, okay? So that means if we have uh, real estate income from a an investment down in Miami, that means we have to pay tax on that real estate investment in Canada. Uh, also, if you have a real estate investment in Miami, Miami is going to say, and the United States is going to say, we want tax on our real property that's located here as well, which is fair. Now, what happens in this situation, right, is us as an individual, we take money, we go down, we buy this property in the US. Now, if that US property is owned by a non-resident, which it would be if you own it personally, uh, that non-resident is you because it's owned by a non-resident. You actually have to hire a law firm to collect your rent for you because there's withholding tax on non-resident uh, real estate income down in the U S. So it becomes a real big pain in the butt, uh, to be honest. 
that's not the right way. Um, however, let's play this out. Uh, in the US, we have withholding tax. It's, I believe it's 25% uh, on any of your rental withholdings, which is likely a lot higher than what it is our net income is. Um, what we have to do is we have to file a US tax return, claim the actual income, we get a refund for any of the withholding tax that's in excess of what it should be. And then we come back to Canada, we have to pay tax on the income, but we get a foreign tax credit uh, from the US tax that we paid. Now, all of that has gotten really complicated um, and it's not overly tax efficient in those foreign tax credits and that transfer that's being reported. It's not the most efficient way to earn income. So, and, and I really hate the withholding tax because it's going to damage cash flow on those investments. And that's, you know, essentially that's one of the big priorities that we want to make sure is that those investments can cash flow themselves. So the better way to do this is to incorporate in the United States, and it has to be a C corporation. And a C corporation, in, a sen in essence, acts like a Canadian corporation. So we really only have the one type of corporation. In the US, they have S corporations, they have limited liability corporations, LLCs. And a lot of real estate owned in the United States is owned in an LLC, which is great. Um, but if you're Canadian and a non-resident, an LLC essentially gets taxed as an individual. So you'd have to pay tax personally on all of that income again, which again, you know, our marginal tax rates are high. We don't want that. So what we need to do is set up that C corporation. The C corporation in the U.S. pays tax on the real estate income, and then we can distribute dividends back to Canada on essentially a tax-free basis. So there's that's the right way to do it. Um, the wrong way to do it would be to invest personally. Now, as you continue to evolve your investor portfolio in the U.S., or if you're investing as a minority uh, in other investment opportunities, for example, you're investing, you know, $100,000 into a, a $20 million property. And so you've got a 2% ownership, uh, but the rates of return are really good. What you probably will have to do is you will have your C corporation in the US, you will have that invest in an LLC. So not only will you have a C Corp, but you will have an LLC investment as well. Again, the reason for that is the LLC gets taxed as an individual. And so the individual partner of that LLC is taxed, which you want it to be your C corporation. The challenge is when we start going into the US, one are that whole non-resident piece. If you've got a C corporation, that C corporation is resident in the United States. Uh, it can be housed there. So you don't have any withholding tax issues. Uh, but second, we don't want to have all of that hit our personal income tax uh, in Canada. So it starts to get a little complicated. Using a C-Corp to invest in the U.S. is the way to go. It helps mitigate any uh, lost tax between the two countries, uh, and it creates the most efficient way for you to build your portfolio. That's exactly the answer I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> We did it. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Definitely. Like, I mean, like those who know me know what I'm trying to do and trying to build myself. I'm building with uh, what I'm calling Papaloni Capital. And uh, my intention is to get investors to invest with me and, uh, you know, do joint ventures and stuff like that. Or, you know, maybe some form, in some form I'm trying to create like a MIC or so, like a mortgage investment corp, right, where I can invest out there and I'll use the funds. You know, I want people to be able to use their, you know, in Canada, their RSPs, mutual funds and stuff. I can be able to invest that into my corporation as when the states would obviously be the 401k or whatever, right? But obviously I'm a long way from getting that put together, but that's what I'm working on. So that kind of gave me an insight of how that works too. So I had a general totally, idea, but. <laughs> yeah. so, so for you, right, in that case, likely what you're going to do is you're going to have a C corporation that's going to be the capital, right? And yes. and in there, you're going to have LLCs spun out from that C corp for different individual investment opportunities. So if you're, you know, creating a pool, uh, pool A, it's going to be an LLC. You're likely going to be a general partner. And then there's going to be limited partners that come in on that LLC. Now, your ownership of that LLC or your interest will be in your C-Corp to avoid that whole secondary tax piece. And that essentially goes for everybody, right? You know, your, your pool of funds or your starting investment 
especially if you're Canadian. You know, it's a little bit different if you're all U.S. funds are being earned. But if you're Canadian, you want a C-Corp set up and that's where all your investment pool is. And then you direct out where it goes to. It might go to some LLCs. It could be into some partnerships, whatever that looks like. But you have to have the, the C-Corporation in place to really protect your tax structure and to eliminate your non-resident status for tax filing. Makes total sense. Love that. So that's amazing, right? And I'm, I'm sure we're going to have a bigger conversation uh, when we're not on the podcast about this. <laughs> For sure. So, uh, so with that being said, now I, I'm going to actually switch gears here mm -hmm. and I'm going to get into something that's going to be more generalized for realtors and less of the public. And I want to get into uh, what's known as the PREC. And uh, maybe if we can get into how that works and, you know, things that people should know. Absolutely. Um, here's, here's what I'm going to, I'm going to make a bold statement right off the top, John. If you are a real estate agent and you're actively invested in building this as your primary business, you should be incorporated using a personal real estate corporation. If you have other income and real estate is a side hustle for you, you have taxable income already on one side. You don't want that taxable income to hit your personal taxes. You should also have a personal real estate corporation. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how they work, um, but I'm going to talk about when individuals should be looking at this. And, and I'm going to start with that because I think a lot of individuals are informed or misinformed maybe about when corporations or personal real estate corporations should be set up. And a lot of times, Individuals are told, yeah, I know you need to be making, you know, 200,000 or 300,000 or you have to leave all your money in the corporation, um, which helps, you know, that does help. All those things do help because as you can imagine, if you're earning more and more and more, your personal tax rate goes higher and higher and higher if you're not incorporated. Um, all of those things are helpful, but the reality is the corporate tax rate, a personal real estate corp uh, has a 12.2% tax rate. 12.2, which sounds pretty amazing because I'm not sure how many individuals who are actively involved in real estate have a, a personal tax rate below 12.2%. The idea is when you're paying more than 12.2% personally, you should be incorporating because that will hold your tax rate at 12.2% for all of your business activity. So that is rule number one. Um, rule number two is with a personal real estate corp, it's actually different than most corporations. So as real estate agents, when they changed the rules two years ago, they actually made it so that you as the individual are still the sales rep that's tied to a brokerage. And what you have in place is an agreement between the brokerage and your personal real estate corporation that says you as the acting sales rep can have a beneficiary of your work. So you're still on the hook as the sales rep, but your corporation can be the beneficiary of your commission, which allows the brokerage to distribute funds in your personal real estate court. So that is a little bit different. Um, not that it changes anything, but I just want you to be aware of that. Uh, and that's why for a lot of the circumstances that it's only the sales rep who ends up being a shareholder of the personal real estate corp. So, and John, I'm going to spin out to a bunch of different things on this too, if you're good with that. Absolutely. Because um, I think I've got a lot of value in this space. So um, the other piece, so I talked about the 12.2%. Um, the other piece is if we can earn income inside our corporation, let's say it's $100,000. I know the numbers off the top of my head. Um, we've got net $100,000 personally as a sole proprietorship or we've got $100,000 net inside our corporation. The marginal tax rate for individuals as a sole proprietorship is 30%, obviously as 12.2% uh, inside the personal real estate corp. That's a pretty vast difference. Um, you know, We're talking upwards of $20,000 of tax deferral opportunity by leaving money in the corporation. Now, some might say, okay, well, Bob, I still need that $70,000 to live. And I'd say, that's fine. We take the, the $70,000 out as a dividend and we pay personal tax on it, but it's not going to be that whole difference. 
Okay. So if we can leave some of the money in the corporation, the more we can leave in there, the better. I'm going to touch on that in a second. The other piece is as a personal real estate corp shareholder, if we're taking dividends out versus a salary, we can actually avoid paying Canada pension plan contributions. I don't know about you, but I hate paying Canada pension plan contributions because as a self-employed individual, I have to pay it twice. Like I mentioned at the top, I've got 100 employees. I also have to pay their 50% of their Canada pension plan uh, throughout the year as well, and they match it. And that's typical for employees. But for you as a self-employed person, not only do you have to pay the matching piece, but you have to pay your own. That's about $6,000 a year that could go into my pocket or could start to be a little bit of a pool uh, to generate a deposit for your next real estate transaction. Now, the big piece I want to touch on with this personal real estate corp, and this is where the huge value is because you guys are experts in real estate, which is amazing. So what do you want to invest your money in? You want to invest it in real estate investments. Perfect. So if you think of that $100,000 example, right, we're an individual, we pay uh, $30,000 in tax, we've got $70,000 of tax, uh, of after-tax money personally, let's just say we have to use 50, okay? That leaves us $20,000 left for a deposit. So we can put that $20,000 deposit in, uh, no problem, and it will start to hopefully grow, but it will limit the real estate investments that we're gonna be able to get into with $20,000. Now on the corporate side, again, we pay 12.2%. Let's just round it down for simplicity. Let's just say it's 10%. Um, so that would leave us with $90,000 left in the corporate account. We wanna take 50, no problem. We take 50 out as a dividend. We don't really pay any tax on that $50,000 dividend. Uh, the tax rates and dividend tax credit essentially allow us to get that money out tax-free. So now we've gone from 90, we've taken 50 out, we've got $40,000 left to invest. This allows us to double up our investment by using a personal real estate corporation versus an individual. So if I had two investments, one was 20,000 and one was 40,000, which one's gonna create the most wealth for me in the long term? Very clearly that $40,000 is going to. So if we're looking at investing in the long term, we use our corporation to do it, we invest in real estate through our corporation, and that's where we generate the greatest amount of long-term wealth. Now, I'll just put one clause in there, one caveat, is that you might have gone to the bank and said, yeah, this was a great idea, Bob. Uh, here's my $40,000. I'm going to go invest in a property. And the bank said, well, you can't do that in your personal real estate corp. That's okay. So the banks changed the rules a little while ago that they don't want to loan money like mortgages uh, into active operating companies, which would be your personal real estate corp. So all we do is we set up a holding company. You can transfer that $40,000 from one corporation to another without any tax consequences and away we go from there. If you're fully funding that real estate purchase, you can do it inside your personal real estate corp. No issues at all. It's typically just the banks when they get into uh, consideration if they're funding, they want it to be outside of any sort of risky operating business. My God, you just answered another question I had without me even asking it. I love it, John. This is this is my jam though, right? Yeah. Like this is where I'm passionate about it because I really hate people paying too much tax. I hate that. Um, and I'm not breaking rules. I'm just knowing how the rules work. And the other piece I hate is people losing out on the opportunity to take those funds and make a difference, right? Like one of the things we, we just went through and we did a whole core value revitalization inside our business. And we've come to the conclusion that our vision is to empower business owners to be able to reinvest and grow through confidence and being fully informed so that their reinvestment can touch more people and ultimately make a global impact. And for me, you know, even just looking at that scenario saying you're doubling up your ability to have funds available to invest, that investment can either be changing the lives of you and your family or your intergenerational wealth, or it gives you more income from your passive investment side that you can help change other people's lives, donate. You know, I, I would say 
I wrote a book called The Wealthy Entrepreneur. So anybody listening, feel free to uh, to grab that. Um, in the book, I made a little bit of a controversial statement where I said, any business owner, your number one priority in your business is to make money without question. And I said, but let me explain. Because if you are a business owner and you don't have profit in your business, you don't have a sustainable enterprise. If you don't have a sustainable enterprise, you can't reinvest in it, hire more people, build a bigger team, use those resources to help and impact more people, more communities, more lives. So if you don't focus on making money, then none of that will happen. Focusing on money has to be number one. That doesn't have to be your goal, right? Your goal yeah. is to make the greatest impact, but you have to make money a priority and your profitability a priority because technically, if you're not focusing on maximizing your profits in your business, you're being selfish because you're not uh, earning as much as you can to reinvest and help the most amount of people. Now, that's an aggressive line, but if you take the, the underlying tone of it, it's, listen, making money is very important if we have bigger things to do with that money and make a greater impact. Well, Bob, look, this is in layman's term that when, we, when people say you can't help other people if you can't help yourself first, that's essentially the financial version of that line. For sure. Right. So I completely agree with you on that. Now, the one thing where you help me on this is I have a prec and it's actually been dormant for the last year. Um, 2022 was a horrendous year for me. And uh, what ended up happening is I just thought, you know what? With everything I'm going, I'm getting my uh, and everything I'm doing, I don't really want multiple corporations. So I was going to close it like I meant to do this last year and I just left it dormant, which is going to kill me in terms of the fees. But that's besides the point. Um but then what you just answered there with your with the whole C-Corp and stuff and the fact that you said with the mortgage you can put into a holding company, like my intent was that I wanted the corporation for Papaloni Capital. But based on what you just said, I can keep my prec and when I need the money to feed the money into the C-Corp, I can do that. Right? Totally. So yeah. so now, now it actually justifies keeping it versus trying to get rid of it. Yeah, and and for you, John, too, like, again... I think of this too, and we want to think long-term, like if you've got that long-term, and this is, again, this isn't necessarily for you, this is for everybody uh, who's listening, but if we've got long-term ambitions of, of creating that, you know, I would have a holding company in there where you're putting any of your, um, you know, investable assets, and I would have your holding company be the shareholder of the C corporation in the U.S., so that's how I would have that structure set up for you, because once you have that U.S. corporation, it can distribute dividends up to Canada. There's a few things we have to do to make this happen, but um, it can essentially come up tax free into that corporation. So in the U.S., we pay C-Corp tax, which is about 20 percent higher than our 12.2 percent in Canada. But we pay 20 percent. We distribute the dividends back into Canada. And then you can reinvest that in whatever you want, or you can take it out. When you take it out, you pay personal tax. But that's how I would have it set up for you. I'd have Holdco in Canada owning a C-Corp, and then that C-Corp can invest in LLCs. It can be, it can create whatever you want down in the U.S. Because I know a lot of people are, are very interested in the Miami, Florida, for sure in Florida, Texas, uh, Arizona. I know there's lots of interesting investment opportunities in there as well as out east in Canada. Yeah. You know, I, we have a lot of clients that are out east as well. And the value of properties out there is so low. Um, it's amazing, right? Like uh, you think of the average home price in Ontario or Toronto or whatever, and you look out east and you're going, you can buy a house for $100,000 out east. That's unreal. Yeah, no opportunities kidding. are still there too. So there's lots of good stuff. You have to be aware, like you're saying, John, Miami is a really cool place um, to be able to look at investments right now. I think there's lots out there. Just make sure that anyone who's listening gets your structure in place first because fixing it after the fact is a bit of a pain. It's way more expensive. And get, and maybe this is my last little plug on this, and, and this isn't necessarily for me. This is for, for anybody out there. Don't do it yourself. 
don't, I know you can go online and you can incorporate your business for $360. We have to pay that fee too when we incorporate people. But I guarantee you, unless you understand what share characteristics and attributes need to be in there to protect your butt, allow for income splitting, and to create long-term opportunity for investments like this, you're not going to get it right. And it takes a lot to fix it after the fact. It's way more expensive. So if we're looking for a long-term uh, commitment to building something incredible, just spend the, the limited amount that it takes now to get your structure right so that you're set up for a great and bright future. I love that advice. And you know what? I'm the dummy who did it the wrong way once. Um, I'll give you a little story. My uh, cousin's a lawyer, right? And I remember when I wanted to start my first corporation, like this is like 20 years ago. So he uh, basically helped me set it up. I mean, he didn't do the work, but he told me what to put in right the right. And I just filled in the blanks based on what he told me. Now, I want to create a second corporation for a different thing. So I thought I'm going to be a genius. I don't have to bother anybody. I'm going to copy and paste it. And I learned that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> every right. like you're right every every structure is different and if you're trying to copy something for a business a and you're doing business b it won't be the same <laughs> well that's that's it and and rules change right so from one time period to another things are different and that's okay it's you know one of the things is is that there's lots of different little online organizations that have templates um, but they don't necessarily update these templates. They're available so that it's easy for people to do it. But sometimes everything easy isn't the right answer. No. Um, and, and getting these attributes, again, like you said, one company is different than another. There's no guidance to say, hey, you know, here's my plan. Now, maybe AI will change that, right? Maybe it will, sure. it'll give us a little bit more of an opportunity to say, hey, this is what I'm trying to create. Can you do this? but you want somebody to validate it. Like AI is only yeah. as good as the information we're giving it. So are we giving it the right information? And I just, you know, it's the same with filing your own taxes, filing Ooh. your own taxes. One, it's super stressful. I even get stressed filing my own taxes uh, <laughs> and I do it all the time. Right. Um, but it's, it's a stressful time, but I guarantee you, if you pay somebody who does, thousands of tax returns a year, they're going to know everything to make sure that you're taking advantage of the right things. So, you know, invest in things that we're not experienced in. I'm not investing in uh, listing real estate and selling it, right? That's I'm just because I'm going to sell one house this year doesn't mean I'm going to do it on my own. You know, I can look a bunch of stuff up and I know some people do it and real estate agents would be the first ones to be like, yeah, that guy probably didn't get full value for that property because they didn't know how to position it properly. 100%. It's the same when it comes to legal structures, tax filings. You know, we've got to use the people who are experienced and knowledgeable and they know how to make sure we get the best outcome. 1000%, right? Like, even from my perspective, right? I grew up and I grew up with a uh, silly thinking, sort of a. Uh, you know, sometimes people ask, you know, what type of business, and you know, like, what are you doing? What type of business you're in? Like, like you go to a bank, you open up an account and in my head, I'm going, who gives a crap? That's my business, not yours. Okay. Then I learn what's behind it and go, oh, <laughs> right. But I'm sure a lot of people there, they want to start the business. and like, why are you asking me these questions? What difference does it make? I mean, I'm going to pay my taxes. I do my business and I pay my tax. Who cares? Right. Eh, there's advantages. People are asking you not because they're malicious. They're asking you because there's advantages on what they put in. And, and how, how you benefit from that. So, but uh, it was a hard lesson for me. So, but hey, I've always learned everything in life through the hard way. Get hit in the head and go, how do I not do that again? <laughs> and, and right, so we've, we've done the same. Like we've, we've learned, we've made mistakes. Uh, we continue to just make sure that we don't make the same mistakes. And, and part of that's why we created our coaching program where we went, okay, we went from zero uh, employees to a hundred employees. Um, we're now, you know, a 10 million plus revenue business annually, one of Canada's fastest growing companies, you know, we've learned a few things. We failed a lot. So what we do is we share in our million dollar year program, we share with everybody what it is that continues to work. Um, and here's, you know, we've tried three things. This is the one that works and here's the template, right? So, like instead of you and I having to go through uh, the trenches and you know make those mistakes and learn from them, 
we're trying to create a program to help people from, go from A to B uh, with a lot less pain and a lot faster, uh, which I think is pretty cool. And that's where I like to spend a lot of my time. Love that. Makes total sense. Now, in light of time, I'm going to ask you two more questions before we end. Um, one is, how would, what would you consider a successful day? <laughs> um, what would I consider a successful day? I'm a pretty positive guy, John. Uh, so most days I would say are a success because I've got through it, uh, living, breathing, healthy, family's healthy, uh, business is going, um, it's good. But if you want me to get a little bit more specific, I'd say a successful day means that we're making progress, uh, progress, creating momentum, momentum, just continuing to build something. And, um, you know, I'm always interested in building something bigger than me. And as long as we've got that progress and momentum, that's a good day. Absolutely. You're growing or dying in this world. That's it. Yeah. So last question and probably the most important question. How do people find you or someone on your team? Yeah, no. Awesome. I appreciate that. Um, any of the social media, um, we're at Govro, which is G-A-U-V-R-E-A-U-C-P-A. Um, so any of our social media channels are there. Our website govrocpa.ca uh you can feel free you know we work with hundreds of real estate agents and professionals and brokerages we work with hundreds of real estate investors um that's why we have the team of 100 uh, to be able to support businesses and individuals just like you guys so if our team can help and support you in any way specifically related to making sure your structure is good right i know if you know, you guys are listening to this because you're starting to build momentum and you're starting to think of how we can build our real estate investment portfolio or, you know, we're a real estate agent. How can we start maybe looking at investing in real estate? We got to get the structure right. And one cool thing we've done is we are one of a handful of multidisciplinary firms in Canada, uh, which allows us to practice law and tax and accounting in one building. So we're a one stop shop when it comes to that. There's no collaborating with multi outside parties. We do it all uh, in-house together. So really cool opportunity there. If you guys need help with a prec or setting up a holding company or acquiring any real estate, or you've got clients you want uh, to have help and support with that, we're here to help you. So this has been great, John. I appreciate the time and uh, look forward to supporting you in the community in any way I can. Absolutely. Thanks so much. I mean, this has been incredible. I, uh, I'm blown away with the information I got from it. I'm sure the listeners and viewers are going to be uh, totally ecstatic about it, right? Like we just learned so much. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. My pleasure. If you like what you saw and you want to see more episodes, subscribe to the link below.